As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Is glorious George Corgan just bathing it, drink it in. Champions League football. Uh, I'm surprisingly moved by that bit of music. I know. Um, which I really have not had any feelings for at all in the last uh, 20 years. It's uh, That's amazing, isn't it? Oh, it's unbelievable. What an intro. Yes, hello, this is Pod on the Tyne. I am Taylor Payne. Newcastle United have qualified for the Champions League. And I'm here with George Colton, you've just heard from. Chris Woff's here. Chris, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I mean, this says a heck of a lot about my mindset about most things, but my immediate thought when I was hearing that is just how rubbish the Premier League's own anthem is in comparison to the Champions League one. It's just they tried to copy it a few years ago and do that, whereas the Champions League one does really sort of evoke those, yeah... To hear that at St. James's Park again will be very, very, very special. Oh, it certainly will. And Jacob Whitehead is here as well. Jacob, how are you doing? You all right? Are you officially on board now with the Black and White Army? Is it, are you one of us? We accept the one of us. I'm hoping there's similarly good music for they play before championship fixtures. Oh, probably something, something by Shaken Stevens, I'd imagine. If he wasn't already on board, he definitely was during the Leicester match, for reasons which should be fairly obvious. However, Jacob did send me a message last week that said, I am being dead Geordie and being soundtracked by Lindisfarne while writing. My word. I mean, that's pretty impressive stuff. And then he followed that up 
by watching the Alan Hull documentary, which was on the BBC a little while ago. So this process of assimilation with Jacob Whitehead continues. We also eaten a ham and peas pudding sandwich, Jacob and Stroke, and a whippet at the same time. I don't think you can get more Geordie than that. How about four whippets for Huddersfield? I'll take one if anyone's got one, or do some dog walking services. <laughs> oh, lads, man, what a what a night, what a few days it's been. We'll, we'll talk about the Brighton game, we'll talk about the Leicester game in a minute, but before we do any of that, let's just react to this astonishing achievement by Newcastle United. Chris, it's been an incredible season, hasn't it? And what a way to round it off at home at St James's Park. They didn't win the game against Leicester, obviously, but the atmosphere was brilliant, and what a night. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted after the game, and I think that... What what I wanted to reiterate, and to anyone not in the Newcastle United bubble, to repeatedly reiterate is how much of an achievement this is. Yeah, that Newcastle have been on course for the Champions League all season, but that doesn't diminish how huge a success this is for the football club. Yes, there has been money spent since the takeover. Yes, it's been a dramatic transformation in that sense, but the transformation on the pitch is far quicker than anyone expected, and that is down to Eddie Howe, his staff. The players, everyone connected with the club. I mean, the fans have really helped again. What a display from War Flags, possibly the best ever, despite oh, that being a, a, a huge competition for what they've drilled up. But the precision again with that, the, just the, the exacting detail, just about at every level at the club now, I think it's just wonderful. And that this is this is a season to savor, regardless of what happens from now on. They've reached a cup final. Yes, they didn't win that, and that was that was disappointing in that sense, but they've broken that grass grass scene, they're getting back there, and now they're in the Champions League, and it's all far quicker than anyone imagined. And it, I can entirely understand why so many fans feel such uh, an emotional connection with this side and this and this coaching staff right now. It's just been monumental, George, hasn't it? I know we all finally had a bit of hope back with Newcastle United, but I don't think any of us in our wildest dreams, expected it to turn around this quickly. Yeah, I, mean, I just want to, I just want to uh, pick up on something that Chris said when he talked about Newcastle and their grass ceiling. I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to know. I mean, obviously, it's made of grass. I just want, I'm kind of interested to know what the difference between that and a glass ceiling is, Chris. Can you, can you help at all? Or fuck you. <laughs> um, so I do think that this oh, has beautiful. Kind of in the last week, in the last couple of weeks, I've. Um, I've been beginning to think that this might be my favourite season ever. Yeah, which is something I I couldn't have imagined saying. And you know, maybe there's a there's you know there's that recency bias in there that I can't really remember earlier seasons ninety two ninety three ninety three ninety four. I've talked about a lot. They're my favourites in terms of you know my age coming back to the yeah. to the city and watching the team and going up and that sort of innocence. But there's something about this team. And this moment, which is just very, very, very special, to use a massive cliche, they are a band of brothers. And to look at this team playing above itself in the way they do, not giving a shit about what anybody else thinks, being very, very good at football, which we shouldn't forget, but all in it together, and everybody in the stadium all in it together. There's nowhere better in the country to watch football at the moment. And... It's just brilliant. And, you know, it's a nonsense achievement finishing in the top four, but it's absolutely 100% deserved. It's where they deserve to be. They've been there for most of the season. Yeah. Throwing the cup final and, you know, that emotional outpouring that there was there. It's, yeah, people will say we're getting carried away. Newcastle haven't won anything yet, but this is the journey. And I'm so pleased for these players that they're the ones who've got Newcastle from a relegation fight 
into the next level. It's just brilliant. I'm so chuffed for them, and uh, it's just been amazing to to witness it. And Jacob, one of the few things that's been missing from this season, which in other seasons certainly hadn't been, is just an element of jeopardy, isn't it? And Newcastle haven't really been in any, any jeopardy or any drama at all. It's There's just been a feeling of lightness around the club and around the football that they've played and and just generally the fans have felt really uplifted by everything this season and it, it, it's all just came to a fantastic end hasn't it it's 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 an incredible achievement it's amazing how quick those expectations change in that no there's not jeopardy of relegation or anything like that but those nerves just get replaced by something entirely new well, it's nerves. not dropping yeah. out of division but you're like <laughs> by the end of the season everyone was cacking it but you might get the Europa League instead of the Champions League kind of like imagine that in back in back in August Let's just take ourselves back to Thursday night gone. The Brighton game, Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, a terrific opening 10 minutes, total hustle from Newcastle United. Trippier uh, in the post-goal huddle as well, telling everyone to get their heads on. The mindset was there, wasn't it? Newcastle just looked ready and they looked up for it. They did, and, I, and fast forward a little bit to come back, it was interesting that, that when we look to the Leicester game that... Smith came out after the match and basically said that his tactics for Leicester coming to St. James's Park were determined by those first 20 minutes against Brighton mm. when Newcastle were just relentless and Brighton didn't seem to know what to do with it. I mean, it's it's odd in that in bo- across both games, I've seen maybe firsts from visiting teams at St. James's and that the for Brighton, I've never seen a team have so much of the ball and yet be so lack such urgency in possession. I mean, the right-sided centre-back would do my nutting if he was playing for the team I covered every week because he just takes about 15 touches every time he gets the ball rather than passing it. Yeah. It, it, it was odd because Newcastle sort of controlled it by letting them just have it when they passed it across the back foot. And then as soon as they start, tried to go forward a little bit, they, they pressed them and took them off it. And it was, that was the press at its very best again. And I thought, I thought over the last couple of games, Miguel Almiron has been absolutely exceptional. I thought he was brilliant on Thursday night. I thought Oof, he led, oh, he was so led from the very front. And his his sort of just the, the the energy he put into that match was just it just exemplified Newcastle and and really it could and should have been more than it was before they scored obviously the two goals towards the end of the match. There was a point in that first half where Danny Welbeck came back from being up front for Brighton and came back to the edge of the box and just opened his arms out at the defence as if to say, what the fuck are you playing at? Get the ball up the pitch. And they just weren't doing it. They steadfastly refused to, to knock it along, did they? And they tried to play out all game. And Newcastle wouldn't even let them out of their own half, George. No, I mean, it was a, a strange tactic I've thought about. I mean, obviously, that is what they do. And they're very, very good at it, Brighton. And we'd seen in their previous game, they've stuffed Arsenal. And, you know, that was a sensational performance from them it's funny you know Leicester Leicester talking about responding to Newcastle because I think Newcastle responded to that Arsenal match against Brighton just didn't give them a second to settle and it was it was right from the first kickoff they pushed them back forced them into making a mistake and that set the tone for the whole game and I do sort of wonder though about when you have that sort of tactical setup you're going to play out and you're going to play out no matter what when you're being pushed back so far up the pitch it doesn't make sense for me in their defense though when they're playing out they didn't actually give away a goal from it it's like the, the two first half goals were two set pieces and then 89th minute clincher when they're pushing for an equalizer like I, I appreciate they're deep but when they've played like that all season I wouldn't say that you should just change your style and kind of hoof it up the pitch I mean um, um, they did get a goal like. but yeah but they were they were making mistakes and they were they were being pressed so high up the pitch and they couldn't get beyond the press I didn't think I mean I, I just think sometimes you've got to I mean I don't care it's Brighton so it doesn't sort of matter but I, I, I think the sh- you know it was a bit like when Man United were doing it 
at St James as well. Now they're less equipped to do it, and they're not as good at, good at doing it as Brighton. And it, you know, in David De Gea, they have a keeper who's not who's not kind of comfortable in possession like that. But it's obviously the way that they decided to play, and I just find it very strange when there isn't that pragmatism because I thought they were inviting pressure on themselves, and they did. They kept giving the ball away. I didn't think it was so much the style of play. I thought it was the, the just the pace that they played at, and I think that was partly to do with they've had so they've got so many games during this run, and you could say, I mean, Deserby made changes and they'd played against Arsenal, and clearly they couldn't keep up the intensity they played against Arsenal in the same sort of way. And it was just the fact that they had the ball, and, and it was just so slow, everything that they did. And then they did make mistakes on the back of that, which was the strange part of it, because they seemed to, to not be in any rush to get it higher up the pitch, even by playing through. But I- I've, I've, I've made one attempt to make a tactical point. This is my first... <laughs> An only attempt this season. Why couldn't you just have let me have that? I have to crush your dreams. That's, a, that's yeah. To both be. of you. Both of you. It's path- it's absolutely pathetic. I've shown not the slightest bit interest in tactics. I've shown <laughs> barely any interest in anything that either of you two have said when you've talked about tactics. I've given it a go. I've made an effort. You could at least have respected that. Honestly, it's pathetic. <laughs> well, mo- moving on from that quickly. What I wanted to, to say. I want. I did want to say that I thought that Deserby's press conference afterwards. I thought he was. He, he his comments were very, very fair, and basically he just said that Newcastle were better than us, and that they came, and that he didn't whinge about certain things that maybe I suppose managers could have done, and he just he just recognised that Newcastle are a very, very good side, and he said he referenced the Arsenal game, which we spoke about afterwards, in that Arsenal probably shaded it, but Newcastle had opportunities in that match. They went toe to toe with the team who've actually been very. Very, very close to lifting the title this season and that shows that as, as how himself said in response to George last week Newcastle are a borderline elite team now if they're not already there and as always happens in these kind of games as well Miguel Almiron misses a golden opportunity to put Newcastle 3-0 up Jacob and Brighton pretty much instantly go down the other end and score to to add that little hint of jeopardy into the game and, and the nerves start jangling uh, and then we've got a long wait where Newcastle's approach changed slightly they, they weren't quite as intense as they had been but it felt to me like it was that was all game plan and all game management. They, they they took a bit of a step back and took the foot off the gas, and then they waited until the moment, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And I mean, George Rigo Saki Culkin did write about this a bit uh, during our piece last week. They were in control. Usually, that would have been a time where it would have been nervy, and I think there was a little bit of tension in the stands. But it was actually the players soothing that atmosphere by just kind of keeping control, absolutely, yeah. keeping it steady. And when those kind of two clinching goals came, it wasn't a huge surprise. It was almost like they bided their time, didn't they? And just set the trap for, for Brighton. Brighton walked straight into it. George and a lovely little bit of play by Kieran Trippier, Miguel Armouron, sets Callum Wilson away and you know the rest. Oh, no, it was brilliant. I mean, they blasted, you know, they blasted Brighton and they did it twice. But yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really only in retrospect or towards that little spell in the middle where it did feel sticky you actually say to yourself, "Oh no, this is—they're okay, actually. You know, they're—they're they're in control. It's not the same sort of control as domination, but it's the control of management and slowing things down and taking the sting out of it. And talk to players afterwards, and they felt fine. You know, they felt comfortable. And I think that you know there is still a bit of that sort of inbuilt." negativity from us as a fan base or as a crowd that you're sort of expecting things to go wrong and this team just have they have I mean I suppose that's what I mean when I'm talking about Brighton and the way they played that you have to be able to respond to circumstances and Newcastle do have that you know it's like if the game isn't going their way 
they, I'm not saying it works every time, but they know how to take the sting out of another team. And they did that very, very well. And then, yes, at the end, blimey, yeah, that, you know, great to see Callum Wilson score again, powering through the middle, just that power. And it was, yeah, it was an amazing, an amazing night and uh, incredible atmosphere. I just want to reference as well, despite them taking, to be fair, Brighton's goal very well, I did think Dennis Undav had one of the worst halves of football I've ever seen a footballer <laughs> have in the first half. Every time he got the ball, he gave it away or put it into his own net yeah. or committed a foul, which led to the second goal. He was pretty awful that first <laughs> he half. He wasn't great, was he? So, George, this uh, this was brought to our attention today as well by uh, somebody called Simon Blood on Twitter. He says, Newcastle United have set a new record tonight. This is after the Brighton game. They have achieved the lowest number of losses in a top-flight season, regardless of what happens in the last two games, in 131 years of existence. It's been a miracle season. That is some stat. Yes, you've just thrown that at us, so I can't confirm that that's correct. I have no reason to doubt Simon Blood. Why would I? Sounds like an ITV detective, doesn't but it? Simon, but certainly, DCI Simon Blood. Certainly in the Premier League. Just trying to think back. I mean, that's definitely um, that's definitely right. I'm. I think um, you say that it happened. We we had checked that for you before. Don't try and don't try and pretend that you remember. I was trying. <laughs> I was trying to make it look like this was a seamless experience, Chris. For that, you've 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 you've, you've 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 drawn the curtain back on the mystique of the podcast. You've ruined it for everybody. The man now. who can't remember what happened last week. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, definitely haven't. Yeah, they definitely. Yeah, I know. Happened. You're asking me. I've been asking questions about Brighton. I can't remember. I can't remember any of this. I've been quite good so far. I've been quite plausible. Chris has pulled um, back the grass curtain there, hasn't he? These are the grass the grass curtain. <laughs> oh god. No, I mean it. It has been a miracle season. Uh, it really has been, but. It's a miracle, but it's it's not that sort of innocence, is it? When when we think about miracles, there is that sort of steel about it. It's very real. This is a very very real team, and they play in a way which is great and entertaining. But it's aggressive and it's tough, so it's kind of like a gritty. It's a gritty sort of miracle, but yeah, it's it's brilliant. I'm feeling quite sad that it's over at St James's, albeit I'm knackered and I'm ready for a rest and a holiday. I think. Yeah, this team is very, very precious. I think this team is very precious. Yeah, I was having this conversation with somebody last night and I was saying, I don't really want this season to end because it's never going to be this season again. Expectations are going to change. The weight behind everything is going to change. We're never going to be in this unique position ever again of of having come from a relegation scrap with with no real expectations on us to, to play in the way we have, to achieve in what we have. It's never going to be like this again. So I really didn't want this season to end, Chris. I don't know how you feel about it, but... Yeah, I mean, George said it earlier, and I can entirely understand why it's up there with his, his favourite seasons, if not his his favourite, because th- there's, there is that sort of connection between fans and players, and I'm not saying that that can't be possible going forward and that it won't be the same, but just the sort of... I hate it when people use the term journey, but I am going to say the journey that everyone has has been on collectively. It does feel that extra bit special that the fact that it wasn't about that there wasn't expectation, so it's not the pressure's only come on the last few weeks when it's like suddenly actually this is real. It could get whereas for most of it it's just been let's enjoy it and see where this goes. And yeah, that isn't going to be the same going forward because now expectations will be heightened, and Newcastle are going to be in the Champions League next season, and it's going to from now on they will be expected to to be challenging for domestic honours and and hopefully playing in Europe season upon season. And this is something that um, that I'm writing about this week. So I spoke to Dan Byrne after both 
of the last two matches and he's he has a feeling of sadness at the moment because this is the end for this team and that sounds very dramatic I'm not saying and he's not saying that this team is going to be completely and utterly disbanded because it's not most of the people who are involved will still be involved but there will be changes what he's talking about is this exact precise group of players 22 23 who've been together almost all of them you know are, are, are connected to it a part of it even those who are not playing regularly there is this genuine feeling of of a bond they spend more time with each other than they do with anybody else in their lives and some will go some will come and it'll be different doesn't mean it can't be absolutely mint and brilliant and fantastic but it won't be this season anymore so it's something that I wanted to write about and with Dan's help um have done so so keep an eye out on, on that please for the for for later on this week but it's just a very very special team this to go from where they were to where they are again I'm really pleased for someone like Dan for someone like Sean Longstaff for Jacob Murphy yeah. people who love the club unsung heroes and they've got something tangible at the end of it which is just it's brilliant for them brilliant for them it really is right then chaps let's have a little break grab yourselves a carton of umbongo and compose yourself and we'll be back in just a moment to talk about that Leicester game they still do umbongo oh absolutely Chris if you know the right people you can find umbongo looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, to last night, uh, and while the Brighton win was very, very important, the job still had to be done, didn't it? The, the squad was really starting to creak, Jacob, uh, especially in midfield, Joe Linton missing out in the warm-up and Elliot Anderson stepping in for him. <sighs> bit of a bit of a weird one, that, but these things happen and you have to roll with them, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I'd written about uh, Newcastle's midfield crisis and then uh, Sean Longstaff suddenly pops up fit when no one expects, uh, so cheers for that, Sean. Um, Elliot Anderson came in, though, after Gillington limped off in the warm-up, but I, I thought he was really good. He had a, he had some nice interplay with Isaac. He did, like yeah. The left-hand side, I thought, was the more dangerous side, which looked more likely. He was really kind of attacking that channel, playing off the shoulder of centre-back. Uh, I mean, I guess his first start was against Liverpool, so it was a far tougher assignment and he's you know, this was a low block, but no, he looked very assured, very ready. Just a shame he's uh, still needs to get that first goal on the board after the um, events uh, at Nottingham Forest. Yeah, uh, Chris, it was a big gamble, wasn't it, on uh, Dean Smith's part that the clean sheet uh, would give them a fighting chance on the last day. It was a bit of a strange decision not to uh, not to attack in any kind of way against Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Eddie Howe on Sky Sports before the game. He was asked about Leicester's selection. To which he responded with, yeah, it's a very strong team. It's like, 
Come on, Eddie. They've dropped their two best players. They've actually dropped their two best players to try and basically just sit in and and it was. I, I had a sort of begrudging. What were you expecting, for... though? Were you expecting <laughs> them to sit there and go, "Oh yeah, lads, come on, let's fill my boots." We're going to smash this lot. What a bunch of mugs! They haven't even played their best two players, man. How weird. He was sort. He was sort of very defensive about the fact he was asked about if Newcastle would change the way they would play a little bit as well. So I thought you might just say, "Oh yeah, we'll have to sort of adapt or whatever." But no, you just have a none of. None of that. I, I I had a sort of begrudging admiration for the way Leicester approached it because the actual determination not to have a shot until the 93rd minute, it wasn't just they were being negative. <laughs> yeah. It was almost like they just didn't want to shoot. I thought that they made Steve Bruce's Newcastle United look like peak Barcelona. They were just like... <laughs> I've looked up Jamie Vardy's touch map this morning because I want to have a look. And he had 19 touches two of which were in his own box, none of which were in the Newcastle box. I think one might have been in the final third. They just had no outlet whatsoever. Vardy was on the pitch, and he may as well not have been on the pitch because nobody could actually play the ball forward to him. Wilfred Ndidi must have kicked the ball down blind alleys about 50 times with no composure whatsoever (laughs) in the middle of the pitch. And they just kept on giving it back to Newcastle. How Newcastle didn't score, I'm not entirely sure. It wasn't wasn't that they peppered the Leicester goal over and over again, but obviously they hit the woodwork three times, had 20 shots, and it was just, I mean, total domination, 80-odd percent possession, and yeah, it was just one team who had no desire whatsoever to play, and the other team who were just trying to find a way to to unpick the lock, and they couldn't. It was... A really weird game, and it was it was you know the the match started off with that incredible display from War Flags. Have to give them yes credit for that yet again. I mean, you know how fantastic they've been, and everybody on the same page at the stadium was just fantastic. But it was very difficult to have that same intensity that Newcastle showed against Brighton because Leicester was so deep. Uh, oh, here I am going into tactics again. I get I'm going to get slaughtered one more time. I'm, Maybe I should just reverse and go back into the emotion. But, I mean, it was it was surprising because it did feel like a game that Leicester should try to win. I mean, that's certainly how, how it felt beforehand. And I think Brighton was the big moment for Newcastle. You know, that was really the, the game that set this up. So it didn't have as much hanging on it, even though it did. You know, um, it felt like Newcastle had done the hard work already. So it was a... It was it was a very weird one. I can't remember seeing a game like that yeah. before. Jacob Leicester were pretty much camped out on the edge of their box for the entire game. Newcastle knocking it around, pretty patterns in front of them and stuff. But there was times when I was sat there just thinking, oh, we maybe we just need to be a little bit more direct in that first half when you've got Callum Wilson there in the box, a, a really good number nine who was just waiting for some service. The ball kept getting pinged back and forward across the box in front of Leicester and down the sides and back out again and back across. And there was times when I thought, just just... You know, just have a go. Just put it in and see what happens. You never know. Something might come. Uh, but it just felt like Newcastle were prepared to, to wait it out and be patient. I think they did try to be direct a few times. There's Kieran Trippier felt like he put a lot of balls in. But, I mean, they just had so many numbers back. And, again, making me look stupid, I wrote about how Newcastle had the fewest or the most efficient long-range shooters in the league last week. And they were not that last night. I mean, Fabian Schell was trying to shoot from the moon. Like... I think Dan Byrne had a volley. Like they were, there were some very worried ducks in Leeser's Park last night when Fabian Chair picked the ball up. It was, uh, yeah, with good reason. So yeah, I mean, they gave it to go and they did feel a bit caught. Where like maybe ten minutes they'd try and and be direct, then ten minutes they'd kind of flit it around. And neither looked what more convincing than the other. I guess the best the best chances came when they managed to kind of get Almiron or Isaac in behind, which we did with a couple of nice triangles at one point. 
then Leicester did adjust a little bit. They pulled their wing backs back even further. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, the last half hour, I was getting more and more frustrated as both teams just seemed to be happy to, to settle for a draw. And I was very frustrated that George didn't want Newcastle to win as much as me, which uh, <laughs> was quite galling. You were blasting out Linda's fan from your phone. Come on, come on, fellas, come on, lads. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it, I mean, by the end, it became, I mean, there was that sort of moment where Nick Pope finally has to make a save and Newcastle suddenly looked like uh, they knew what was at stake when they're making passes, they're making simple passes or trying to make simple passes, not make a mistake. And of course that makes your legs heavier and makes you sort of look more likely to make a mistake. Some save from Nick Pope. Oh, oh, I was brilliant. Great. I have yeah. not done anything all game. No, really no, no. Yeah, no, the commentator no. on the on the coverage said it was straight at him and it absolutely was not straight at him. He probably had to die. And it was some power it was hit with as well. Yeah, it was nice to see Kieran Trippier as well in those last few moments just saying, will everybody just calm the fuck down and chill out? It's okay. Don't worry about... We've got this. We're all right. I mean, we have to remember, it could have been very different in the first half as well. I had a conversation with my dad earlier in the day, and he was very nervous, and he said, basically, I'm worried about her sending off or something like that early on. And Bruno Gimaraes was a lucky, 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 lucky boy. Um, uh, It was... It was a very strange challenge, and that's I suppose that he, he is such an emotional player, and he gets caught up in it. It felt like something where, where he just he lost his, his his control a little bit there, and I think that on another day he could he could have seen red, and then Newcastle may have been in a tricky position. He's got that in him, hasn't he? As well, he's he's you know he has those moments, the semi final against Southampton. He, he's got that in his locker. He plays on the edge. He does, and and others in the team do as well. And um, you know that's a good thing. It's a really good thing, but it's also a very it's a very kind of delicate line to to straddle. Can you do you straddle a line? I don't know. <laughs> but um, and I hadn't seen that, so I, I watched. I had a kind of nice uh, emotional uh, first half. I sat in level seven in the Milburn in in. Gordon, my stepdad's old season ticket it was the first and last time I kind of get to do that, and I was, you know, very emotional to do that and uh, enjoyed it. But um, I hadn't seen—I mean, I'd seen the Bruno tackle, but from way up there, I mean, it's like I was in orbit. You know, I'm not going to be able to see see what happened without the use of the Hubble telescope. And um, Jacob showed me sort of the images uh, of it after half time, and it was. You know, certainly doesn't look good on those replays and those pictures. But if Newcastle got away with one there, fair enough. But I mean, he is he is a magnificent player. He's been magnificent this season, battling injuries for a lot of it in recent weeks. And um, he talked about it a bit afterwards, didn't he, Taylor? Yes, he did. He uh, he talked to the club media just after the final whistle about the season. Have it been a difficult season for me? Uh, too many injuries. I passed it for many things this year, World Cup, uh, become father. So I'm just happy to finish the season healthy, you know, now. Uh, I just want to recover in my body because next season will be incredible for this club. I think after the final that we lost so, to Manchester United, uh, we've got an agreement between us that we will give everything that we, we could to get Champions League. And uh, yeah, the job now is done. Uh, now we just celebrate with the family, with the guys, because really, it was incredible. We have to be ambitious. I'm here because I'm ambitious. Yeah, we have, we have to, to celebrate now because after 20 years, yeah, my first full season here, in, we've got Champions League. For me, this is unbelievable. You talked to somebody else about his injuries, not me. 
Yeah, it was okay to talk about them. It was okay to talk oh, about them. I asked him. I asked him as well. But it's, it's it is worth remembering that he when he signed in January last year, he talked about playing in the Champions League, and it just felt so laughable. He talked about that as well afterwards, saying people said I was crazy when I talked about, and it did. It felt so unrealistic at that point. It felt a million miles away. And um, he's done it, and uh, yeah, what a what a brilliant player he is. Just to pick up on George's point about that first Bruno Gimraes press conference, I've just googled back the analysis I did of that press conference, and the headline from it is: "Is Bruno swaggers in, but Wilson's barely off crutches. Will domination and existential doubt collide at Newcastle United?" And I remember being in that press conference, and Bruno comes out with calling Newcastle, saying Newcastle going to be a world power in the Champions League. They'd won two matches in the Premier League at that stage they were 19th Callum Wilson was on crutches again the Castle's top scorer their main striker and at that point it just was like how is someone talking about the Champions League this is laughable Newcastle probably going to be playing in the Championship next season that's what it looked like at that stage yeah. and here we are less than 18 months on and Newcastle have qualified for the Champions League with a game to spare it's just staggering it's astonishing isn't it absolutely brilliant right let's wrap things up there uh we'll have a little break and we'll be back in just a moment to talk about our players of the season uh get yourself over to theathletic.com forward slash newcastle pod and pick up a subscription to the athletic and pay just one pound 99 a month for your first year see you in a moment Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Okay, then Sky's Monday Night Football pundits pick their teams of the season with Jamie Carragher picking Botman, Gary Neville going for Pope in goal, and Kieran Trippier making both 11s. Uh, George, Kieran Trippier also won Newcastle's Player of the Season award this week, and that is the correct decision, isn't it? Well, I mean, I've deliberated long and hard about this, I have to say, and I've uh, I've written about it as well. And to, to cut a long story short, at the end, I have also said Kieran Trippier, but I... Had to have a long chat with Chris about this. Had to think about it, and I asked the question on uh, Twitter as well, and I got something like seven hundred responses. And the interesting thing about that is that just about everybody in the team, everybody in the squad, got a mention, got Brilliant. mentioned more than once, and some, you know, some more than others. Trippier more than others. Bruno, a lot of mentions. Jolinton, a huge number of mentions. Yeah. Sean Longstaff, a load of mentions. But then Botman. Fabian Share, loads of responses. Go through the whole team. And I, th- I think that is one of the beautiful things about it. And, you know, it's obvious when you think about it. Newcastle was such a good team that it's very, very difficult 
to pick that team apart, and it's in a way it's unfair. I mean, I've I've described them in this piece. Arsenal were the invincibles. Newcastle are the indivisibles. They're one and the same. I, I kind of love that about it. You know, you know, Bruno is such a beautiful player. Isak is such a fantastic, beautiful player. They're in the same team as Jacob Murphy and as Sean Longstaff, as Dan Byrne, all the rest of it. It's just a brilliant mix. I think at the end of it, though, Trippier does deserve it simply because he is first amongst equals, because he's the captain, because he has that leadership brilliant in terms of delivery part of the meanest defense in the Premier League joint along with Man City's been part of it but he he I mean Chris in the previous section you know talking about Bruno arriving but Trippier he was the first he was the first to buy into what this was and again it's you know they'd won one game when he arrived and he's agreed to come from Atletico Madrid, yes, wanted to come home, but he's a La Liga winner. He's an England international, and he's joining a team that are effectively bottom of the Premier League. And he's seen something there in the club, in Eddie Howe and all the rest of it. Look, you know, looks easy now, looks obvious now looking back. But that was such a leap of faith for him. And it was it was such a gamble, really. He has been absolutely incredible. So I think it is the right decision, but it's a really, really tough decision, and the fact that so many people you could you could name is just tells you everything about this squad and this team. It is a really, really tough decision, but I also think that part of the reason why I would probably go for Kieran Trippy as well is, and I think this has almost been overlooked to a certain degree, is that Kieran Trippy had barely played for Newcastle last season. He was a huge influence off the pitch, but part of the reason why Newcastle have been able to transform the way that they play this season is because they have Kieran Trippier at right back, who is essentially a right winger at times, who is so good from set pieces, so good on the ball. And he only played, I think it was four times in the Premier League last season. Emil Kraft did a very good job when he came in afterwards, but he's not the same sort of player as Kieran Trippier. And having Dan Byrne on the other side, so it's almost a three at the back when Newcastle are in possession, so Kieran Trippier can go further forward. I think that that is almost overlooked. He did arrive in January 2022 but it was this season that Kieran Trippier's influence on the field was really felt for a sustained period rather than last season where it was he had a few games where he had a huge impact and then he was very important off the pitch but on the field he has helped transform the team to be able to play the way that they do. He's spoken Jacob as well at length about the the relationship he has with Eddie Howe and how Eddie Howe was the manager who kind of got him to turn his his professional career around and start to take everything a little bit more seriously when he was under him at Burnley which you know obviously he, he He's very thankful to Eddie Howe for what he's done for him. And, and the fact he came back, uh, joined Newcastle, he was the kind of player that I don't think Newcastle fans realised we could even dream about getting. But he came and he's been phenomenal, hasn't he? Completely. And it's also having that unity throughout the club, which goes from head coach to captain to uh, Dan Ashworth as sporting director, all of who have these kind of shared ideals in a way in terms of how they want to play, the coach they want to have around the club. And that is evident in the togetherness on the pitch, the indivisibility, which which George was speaking about. Um, and in a way, I guess Trippier's role is that conduit between Howe and the rest of the squad. I mean, obviously, he's got this close relationship, but he doesn't want to be too close to the squad and kind of be in the sanctum of the changing rooms. And Trippier is the one who kind of permeates those ideals throughout the team. He's got such an important role in it. 
Yeah, he has been incredibly important. Uh, we have mentioned some of those other players already who've been brilliant this year. And one of the things I wanted to mention as well is that it felt like at times, different points in the season, players have had their moments. Players have had periods where they've suddenly become really important. I'm thinking about Miguel Almiron and that little goal burst in October and November. Bruno Gimaraes had about four or five games off the belt where he was absolutely superb. Sven Botman in the opening stages of the season looked like nobody could get past him. Nick Pope, brilliant in goal. Joe Linton lifted his levels. Callum Wilson in April and and May was just incredible, George. And it's great that we've got these players who are having their little moments in the season. And it all adds to the story of the whole season, doesn't it? It's just been brilliant. It's a very, very good point, that. Um, All those little stories within the bigger story, and that is the definition of a great team, isn't it? That when, you you know, one of the sort of distressing things about the past at Newcastle is that they've been reliant on one player or two players and it, it was Callum Wilson, it was Alain Saint-Maxima uh, sort of in the in the Steve Bruce years that they were relying on those players to get them out of trouble and they delivered thankfully when it mattered but Newcastle now have players like that all over the pitch different positions, different parts to their game. Jalinton isn't going to score you five goals in a match, but he will put tackles in. Um, absolutely, he'll be this yeah. you know, enforcer across the middle of the pitch. They've all had their moments, and most of them have had a level of consistency throughout that as well with their little dips, and I love that about it. People have had to step forward, and they've all done it. I mean, I think there's so many different stories this season. Jalinton is, you know, is such an obvious one. Bruno, he's the difference maker. Longstaff, he's the he's the team's running man. He's, you know, contributes. He's so important to the energy levels. But then you just start going through everybody. It's just they're a brilliant, brilliant team, and you want to hold them all up. And um, yeah, thank you to all of them. They've been they've been brilliant. Jamal LaSalle's captain shithouse as well on the... Brilliant start about LaSalle's. 119 minutes of football, four yellow cards, two of them when he wasn't even on the fucking field of play. <laughs> what a contribution. No, but it, it has, and I think that's <laughs> that's been remarkable. That has been the remarkable thing, that players like LaSalle's, who's the captain, who's been so important to the team since promotion, that has been has found a way to stay involved, to stay crucial. People off the pitch, Dan Byrne again last night spoke about his contribution, the way he's been lifting standards in training, trying to keep... And to do that when you're not playing, and it must be very disappointing, but, you know, Eddie Howe has found a way to keep those players engaged. And again, whether all of that is sustainable moving forward, I don't know, particularly when you have a bigger squad for Europe. um, It's very moving that, how... Those players who've not been involved in the way they would like have stayed on board and been part of things. And yeah, they're very funny, those two yellow cards that LaSalle's got, but they speak about something bigger. There was obviously so much to unpick from the lap of honour after the game and the post-match celebrations and Joe Ellington singing the Champions League song, although he forgot the league part of it and just shouting champions at people. which Newcastle technically aren't. Um, but the, I think my favourite thing is if you watch Jacob Murphy's interview on NUFC TV, and I've never seen someone almost in shock and awe and delighted at what he has been part of and what he's achieved so and what he's going to be going for. You can see the, the, that boyhood fan in him. There is literally a twinkle in his eyes. And I would encourage everyone to watch it because it just it, 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 I, I had goosebumps just watching it because you could just 
feel how special it is for him. He pulled exactly the same face after scoring against Tottenham as well, which was nice. <laughs> I did, yeah. But I just also want to pull up Chris on saying that Newcastle technically aren't champions <laughs> rather than just aren't champions technically not champions <laughs> what are you on about <laughs> let's not let something like that get in the way yeah, fair, fair point fair point they're fair our point. champions they're our champions in a, in a league they're in our league of one and they're top well ne- the season after next there's about 15 teams from england get in the champions league don't they so mm. yeah. uh george jamie carragher also picked eddie Howe's manager of the season as well what a job he's done mind yeah, I, again, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Of course, he's manager of the season. I was quite surprised when that list came out because I don't think uh, the Bournemouth manager, whose name I've forgotten, Gary O'Neill. Gary O'Neill. I was involved um, in an interview for. Yeah, I was. Yeah, um, I was quite surprised that he wasn't involved because I think I think that's been a that's been an extraordinary story. I mean, you know, you look at Guardiola. Yes potentially Man City could end the season with a trouble, but they're operating at the level everyone expected them to. De Zerbi's done brilliantly as well, hasn't he? De Zerbi's done fantastically. Yeah, there's lots of candidates. But, you know, I, I just think to, to to get Newcastle from where they were to uh, to where they are is, is a phenomenal achievement. It's been about hard work. It's been about effort. It's been about really, really sound, smart decisions, smart... Uh, recruitment, you know, people will again present this as a story of money, and they Newcastle couldn't have been there without the money they've spent. That's absolutely fair to say, but um, you know, Chelsea show you that it's it's about more than just throwing money at a problem and hoping some of it will stick. It's it's been phenomenal. His impact is is incredible, and he's I, he talked about this before, but like you know, this Newcastle that are so sort of hungry and angry and relentless. Says something about our personality, I think, as a region, as a city. Jacob would know only too well after listening to Lindisfarne um, uh, for for weeks on end. You know, there, there's that that is part of our identity, and I do think it's sort of strange that how recognise that, and maybe something has to do with the ownership as well. Maybe that's part of that story. This sort of nobody likes us part of it, but also it is about being, I think, sort of that history of industry, but of being left alone, you know, fine, you know, patronise Newcastle, talk about how great St James's are and how great the fans are, but we'll leave with three points. You know, this is a, a version of Newcastle that's standing up for itself and um, it's it's beautiful to see and he's recognised that that in us. He's a very he's a very sort of quiet and stable man. He's not like Sir Bobby, he's not like Kevin Keegan, he doesn't have that charisma or flamboyance, but... Yeah, my God, he he's he's tapped into something about us, definitely. Absolutely, and his uh, second in command as well, Jason Tendall, was in reflective mood after the match. Yeah, we had a little moment at the end of the game because after our time at Bournemouth, you know, we we, we sort of split up and we we all done different things, and I think that sort of made us all stronger. And but to come to a club like Newcastle, you know, you only really understand what what football means to to this club and to the city when when you actually here living it. Been here a few times with Bournemouth, but you know, dropping in on a Friday, playing a game on a Saturday, and then off you go. But it's only until you're here, you actually realise what football means to, to the people in the city and to, to bring in Champions League football is is you know, something that you know, we're, we're very proud of, and you know, it's probably become less than we expected. But there's a lot of hard work on the achievement, and you know, hopefully, we can continue to grow. What is it about your relationship that is so special for work? Well, first of all, I think you know you have to share the same philosophy. You have to have you know, a similar outlook in terms of, of, of what we want and 
how we like our team to play. Ultimately, you have to work hard. And, you, know, you have to put the hours in and cover the detail, the results of what we've achieved this season. Uh, it's not just for match days, it's, it's from our day-to-day work on the training ground, the long hours we put in in terms of preparation to, to get the outcome that, that, that we want on a match day. And I think that's probably been the strength of, of both of us since we've been at the football club. I can't speak highly enough of Ed. He's an incredible manager. You know, works extremely hard great with attention to detail and, and that drives the best out of everyone and me included. He was asked about your relationship with supporters and fans and way, the way that's developed in a kind of quite strange way and maybe in recent weeks but, but it's, <laughs> it's been it's, I mean what do you make of all that and you must love it because they, they love you. Uh, do you know what I, it, it did make me laugh when, yeah. when I first found out about it. Mad and, dog. You, yeah mad dog and you know you read you know, read some of the comments that people say, and yeah, the haters love to hate, but it just makes me laugh. And you know, I, t- I take it sort of with a pinch of salt in terms of what, what people say. I think it's a compliment in terms of you know, myself and, and what people say. The Newcastle fans have been brilliant. You know, I, I love the fans. I think that's one thing that hits you straight away as soon as you arrive at this football club how passionate the fans are and how much they get behind you. And can't thank them enough for, for the support they've shown the team all season. And also, me during the last couple of weeks, they've been excellent and they've been right by my side. Oh, lovely stuff that, George. You don't get to hear from Jason Tindall very often, so that's that's fabulous. Yeah, it um, felt like a good time to have a chat. And yeah, we should, I mean, need to get, you know, give him. Him credit and the rest of uh, the rest of Eddie Howe's staff credit, and it has been kind of very funny seeing the love emerge for for Jason Tindall. Chris wrote about him a little while ago, and you know there's far more to him than the um, permatanned ranch packet that uh, patrols the uh, in front of the dugout. But um, I loved him on the floor in the team photo after the, yeah, after that was the, uh, the Brighton game. So funny, very very tongue in cheek. But he's a serious, substantive fellow. You heard 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 that there. He's kind of very thoughtful. He's um, um, he's not a kind of caricature. But yeah, must uh, must give credit. Must must give credit to True Faith, which is where the uh, Mad Dog nickname came from, but has now spread like wildfire. I love how East Endy is compared to uh, Eddie Howe's more more dulcet tones. As, as I think he's he's another former fellow. Resident of Mile End, along alongside myself. Um, one thing which I thought was interesting, though, was his use of the quite Gen Z phrase "haters gonna hate." <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is something though which has really fired Newcastle this season. There has been this cultivation of it an us against everyone else mentality. Uh, Dan Burns spoken about it before, and to have your number two and one of the emotional heartbeats of the leadership of a club speaking about that. Um, at this point in the season now so openly really shows how long it has been something firing them internally as well. Absolutely. And I had to mention this as well. I couldn't see this today on Twitter and ignore it, but uh, Rafa Benitez tweeted his congratulations uh, to Newcastle United for qualifying for the Champions League. Congratulations to all involved. Howdy the lads. <laughs> if that's not the strap line for the summer tour, they're really missing out. On it's got to be, hasn't it? It has to very, be. Very yeah. tight story, that, isn't it? Howdy the lads. Come on the tunes. <laughs> the tunes. Come on tunes. the tunes. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Uh, right then, uh, there is still a game of football to be played. Uh, I, I think a few people have forgotten about that, Chris, but uh, we've got to mention uh, you and give you a little bit of credit because you oh, what? Uh, said that Newcastle would get the four points we needed from our the previous two games in order to seal uh, Champions League qualification, and you were quite right. I know some of us were a little bit wobbly and feeling a little bit unsure, but you got there. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend that my predictions are usually any good, so I'm going to I'm going to lap this up right now, but. Uh, I did think it would be the other way around. I did think Newcastle would maybe draw against Brighton and then then beat Leicester, but <clears throat> they got there and they were helped by Villa getting a, a point at Liverpool, which could have could have been more as well. Um, the yeah, the, the Newcastle uh, have got there. That this means that this final game can be a real party uh, going to to West London. I know there's going to be is it like fifteen hundred supporters are going to be on boats. I think going down the Thames, ready to go to to, to Stamford Bridge, and it could have been a very nervy occasion on Sunday, but instead it is just this this mass celebration of of a season uh, that has been such a success. So yes, thankfully they got they got the points they needed, and Villa also did them a favour. It's wonderful to be able to go to Stamford Bridge, George, with absolutely nothing at stake whatsoever, isn't it? It just can play with freedom, and I'm sure the supporters will have a bit of fun with the Chelsea fans as well. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm going to way in for that. Jacob's going to be in the press box. I'm in the way and so looking forward to that want to make a fuss of that and write about that have that sort of experience as a way to put a full stop at the end of the season yeah I really I can't wait you wouldn't have wanted to go down there needing something not because I wouldn't be confident of it but just because well you don't want to you want to get it get it out of the way and do it first and yeah it'll just be a laugh it'll be a great laugh um I'm very pleased the players are getting some time off before then and um yeah, maybe they'll turn up all pissed out of their heads. I mean, why not? I'm quite excited that uh, I don't have to be sitting next to George at this game so that when Eddie Howe heavily rotates his squad, I don't have to be saying, answering, who's that? Who's that? Who's that academy player? Who's that left back? Is he striker? What, you were saying you'd, you'd recognise them more than I would? Probably probably of uh, some, some of the academy lot, possibly. Yeah, that's probably true, yeah. Matty Bonswell suddenly in line for a start out of nowhere. That's what yeah. I'm looking forward to. Gets on very well with his teammates, apparently. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> um, yeah, Jacob, did you think that you were going to be picking up a, a Champions League reporter's job when you took this uh, this little uh, gig on? Absolutely not. I mean, I've only just renewed my passport and it's a good job as well. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, he, he thinks it's so easy. thinks it's so easy. He does. It's not always like this, you know. So there's this curse chatter and I turn up and within three months, George has said it's his favourite experience covering Newcastle. Not a coincidence, by the way. And <laughs> then secondly, they've suddenly got into wow. uh, the Champions League, scored a ton of goals. I'd just like an apology, actually, from anyone who, who had been speculating where's a curse. Well, that's not going to happen, I'm afraid. And that's the end of Pod on the Town for this week. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not actually. Oh. It's not actually the end. Not just yet, because I've got a little surprise. Uh, and me and Ollie have cooked something up. Uh, well, mainly Ollie has and sent it to me about 30 seconds ago. Uh, so now I'm going to inject it into the podcast. Can, to reach for the sky,
It's a little Champions League quiz, George. You'll be glad to know. Oh, get it. <laughs> no. Get it. Yes. Oh, I've got, still got my dinger. I still keep my dinger on my now, desk. Now, from those of you first. who don't know about this, back in the um, dark days of COVID, we used to have to try and find <sighs> things to fill God. the podcast with. Uh, and also, the football was absolute shite at the time as well, so we couldn't talk about that. So we used to have little quizzes, and George hates them with a passion because he has no memory of anything from more than a week ago. Uh, so we've got a little quiz lined up, and it's a Champions League quiz, George. Um, and here we go. We're not going to fight against each other. There's nothing at stake. Let's just see if we can name all the players. Chris, I know you're going to be good at this, so let George have a go first. George would have been covering these games, by the way, just to say in advance of this quiz. Yeah, George oh, would have been I definitely uh, covering will. these games professionally. Yes, I was. And also help the manager at the time write two books as well. <laughs> yeah, but come on. <laughs> It's not about the detail. <laughs> Newcastle United used 13 players in their last Champions League fixture, a 2-0 defeat to Barcelona at St. James's Park. Hang on a second, that's not true. Their last Champions League fixture was a Champions League qualifier. Oh, Champions Partizan League, Belgrade. let's not start getting... All right, OK. I would just like to point that my memory isn't that bad, however, because I remembered that. Fair play, we'll give you that. Thank you. So Newcastle United used 13 players in their last Champions League fixture, uh, Champions League proper fixture, not including playoffs or Thank preliminary you. rounds. A 2-0 defeat at Barcelona at St James's Park. Can you name them all? Some of the Jamie, you might were you even born this at this point? I was three. Great. So you should know a few of these then. Yeah, yeah. I mean I wasn't like Jacob Murphy born in a Newcastle United jersey. So how are we doing how are we doing this? Are we going like one each? Yeah, just try and or do I have to try and name... I can't name oh, I think George should try and name as many as possible. See how many you can get, George. Come on. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is Barcelona at home, not Barcelona away. So Barcelona away, Schola scored because Shearer and Bellamy were absent. But did they play in the home game? Just name uh, the players, man. We don't need the story. Come on. I'm trying to... I need the story to remind me. <laughs> this is going to be the longest podcast in the history of podcasts. All right. Well, Alan Shearer, I think he played in that game. Yes, he did. And there's one. Norberto Solano. Yes, there's two. Are you going to go, Jacob? Uh, Shea Gibbon. Shea Gibbon was in goal. There's three. Oh, now we're struggling, aren't we? Norberto Solano, uh, right midfield. Shiro front, obviously, and Shea Gibbon in goal. There's your three that you've got. Now, Be- Bellamy was sent off twice in the Champions League that season, wasn't he? I think one of them was a retrospective ban, but yeah, he got two bans, I think. So I'm not sure if he... Played then. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say him. Would Schuller have played in that game? Uh, Laurent Robert. Laurent Robert played. That's four. Gary Speed. Gary Speed was not involved. No. Oh, first incorrect from Woff. Disappointing. Kieran Dyer. Kieran Dyer. Yes, there's five. Um, eight to go. Can't even think of centre halves. Jermaine Genus. Jermaine Genus. 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 Yes. Six. Pressure grows on me. Um, <clears throat> Aaron Hughes. Um, Aaron Hughes was not involved. Oh, <laughs> this has backfired badly. Oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> Remember this, George. It was fun sometimes, wasn't it? No. <laughs> Come on, we've got, we've got, we need the back four. Is it just about, just about, and four? we need to back four and two others as well. Has has Amiobi been been said as as a formal answer? Not in this leg. 
Joel Amiobi did play. He was a substitute for Alberto oh, Solano. Wow. Um, Andy Griffin. Andy Griffin was at right back, correct? Ah, yes! Come on! <laughs> what in the mud? Come on, Waffles. Andy O'Brien. Andy O'Brien at centre-back, yes. Yes. Oh. I don't think I can lose this now, can I? Yeah, I've got no I've got no clue. No clue. <sighs> no clue. George, do you want to hazard another guess? Um, Titus? Big Titus Bramble at centre-back, yeah. So left-back. Mm, I assume it was... Was it Ollie B? O- Ollie B. It Oli- was Ollie B. Olivier Bernard at left back. We're missing one player. Substitute. He was a substitute. We're missing. What, what do you mean? We're missing one. Luar player? Luar? It was Thirteen. Was Thirteen involved. Oh, okay. Got one of the subs so far. Jacob's gone for Luar Luar. And it was not Luar Luar. Oh, it's George again. Um, We're nearly there. We're nearly get there. Get wrong, and then I can draw level. No, because I've I, I've got none wrong so far. You've got three wrong. I don't want to I don't want to press you here, but I am going to see I've Beyonce tonight. So if you could get a fucking move on, that would be lovely. Thank you. Um, oh, I can't think of anybody else. No, I've I've done. I think I've done what I need to do. Really, <laughs> you've proven everything. You <laughs> I haven't been yet. humiliated. I've Come avoided on, Chris, humiliation. You, you must know who this last player is. Would anyone like a clue? Yes, give us a clue. Um, maybe didn't quite live up to expectations. Hugo Viana. It was Hugo Viana, yes, absolutely. There we go. All done. That's it. That was the I quiz. won that quiz. I you got did. one wrong. Yeah, well done. I won that quiz. Lovely stuff. <laughs> My bell stopped working in the last three years. It's oh, rusted. Don't worry, folks. We aren't going back to this every week. This isn't going to no, be a regular God, thing. Dreadful. Podcast. Uh, the opposite right. of podcast gold. <laughs> podcast mud. That's what that is. Right. Uh, get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pick up a subscription and pay just £1.99 a month for your first year. Thank you very much, chaps. It's been an absolute pleasure, Chris Woff. It's It's been a moderate pleasure to speak to you and uh, and Jacob here. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Jacob Whitehead, thanks for joining us. It's charming from Chris. I haven't, I haven't seen him since getting on paternity and get moderate pleasure. <laughs> that's it. That's Terrible. <laughs> it's more than I got. Count yourself lucky. If there's one thing that Chris is well known for, mind, it's moderate pleasure. Uh, George, <laughs> it's lovely to speak to you, mate. Oh, man. It's been, uh, yeah, it's great. What a week. What a week. One more to go. What a season. Newcastle United are in the Champions League next season. What a fantastic achievement. This has been Pot on the Time. Take care of yourselves. Have a fantastic week. And we'll speak to you after that Chelsea game. Goodbye.
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.